What Would June Daly Watkins Do acknowledges the traditional owners of the land on which we meet today. We would also like to pay our respects to elders past, present and future. Manners are the sensitive awareness of the feelings of others. If you have the awareness, you have the good manners no matter what fork you use. Does what we wear really matter? What about taking a call while we're at the checkout? Or neglecting to RSVP? In a rude modern world, what would June Daly Watkins do? While the Order of Australia recipient quite literally wrote the book on manners, we're asking what that legacy really means today. Your host, Jody Bashe mclean has had the privilege of working with the late June Daly Watkins for over 36 years. Now, Jody is picking up the baton with one key question. Is etiquette dead and buried? Or does the modern world need Miss Daly's teachings now more than ever? They say manners make it man, but do those manners need to flex depending on the role we're playing? Today, we ask Brisbane's Lady Mayoress Nina Schrinner what it means to juggle very different public, personal, professional and parenting personas. Thank you so much for joining us today, Madam Maris. Is that the correct form of address am I using there or is, was that a bit tongue-in-cheek? Because I will blame the wonderful Emma who helps me with my, my scripts. She suggested I call you Madam Maris. Well, I've been called a great many things in life, some of them rude and some of them not, <laughs> and that is the first time I've ever been called Madam really? Maris, and, but I have been called Madam when I'm in trouble by my mother Okay, when so, I was younger. Oh, okay. Yes, well, I would assume that that perhaps is not the correct term. So just a little bit of background for our listeners. So you're not only the Lady Mayoress of Brisbane, you're Chair of the Lord Mayor's Charitable Trust. That's a, that's that's hard to say. What's the um, acronym of that? LMCT. Okay. And I prefer, yes, because sometimes even I, yes, yes. I get a little bit of a list. You are a lawyer and most importantly of all, you are a mother of four young children. That's, Yes. Yes. So your name, when you look your name up, when you Google your name, does it say Superwoman beside it? <laughs> no, <laughs> it would probably say a very imperfect woman. But yeah, the history of the title is actually really important and interesting to know. Please share. It gets its tradition from London. Obviously, we know that that is a very strided society over there mm-hmm. and titles and the mannerisms that go with it are very important to them. And we know in Australia that those kind of things are far less important because we are far more tongue-in-cheek and mm. we're far more likely to probably give someone a little bit of curry if they mm. get on themselves a little bit. But the Lady Mary's role has been around since the 1950s and it's an honorary title, so um, it is not elected and you get it usually it is the wife of the Lord Mayor mm-hmm. and we can get to what the title will be if it is a um, a male or the husband or the partner. Oh, or, what, I'd love to know. What is this? So if, if uh, you were the mayor? He wouldn't have one but apparently with Sally Ann Atkinson when she first became Lord Mayor a couple of decades ago, B105 at the time ran a competition about what would be the best name for her husband, who happened to be a brain surgeon, an actual literal brain surgeon. Oh, wow. And uh, the the winning title happened to be Stallion. Now, I'm not sure if you'd actually get away with that 
now, but I think that's a very Australian. Mm, it is, isn't mm, it? So I'm not sure that that's probably appropriate, but it is. Wow, how in- how interesting! You are you're just this this encyclopedia of knowledge. Well, she told me that one, and uh, we all laughed. She told a whole group of people, and <laughs> and that's not to offend anyone, obviously. I no, say. no. Well, yes, Stallion. Okay. I think her husband did decline to take did that he? title. Yes. <laughs> Do you think, it, yes, so it was very tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Oh, yes, very much so. I mean, B105. <laughs> Okay. Well, look, again, thank you so much for, for joining us today. I'm really excited that you said yes because I think this is an important discussion to have about manners and in this modern era and, and essentially do they really do they really mean anything anymore? Do we need them? And it was just a, an absolute delight when, no. I, when your wonderful Amy sent an email back and said, yes, the Lady Mayoress would be absolutely delighted to be part of it. So thank you again. No, thank you so much for having me. Now, I do request from all of my guests to choose a quote that um, perhaps aligns with their values and and how they would define good manners and etiquette, what it means to them. So if I may ask, could you share that with us? So mine comes from Emily Post and she was an American novelist. And I just, I think that with the tone of the podcast and I think even just the tone of society, that this one is probably my favourite, definitely my favourite. And It is manners are the sensitive awareness of the feelings of others. If you have the awareness, you have the good manners, no matter what fork you use. And I think there's so much to be said and learnt from that observation. Sensitive awareness of others, what they're really talking about there is empathy, the ability of ourselves to go outside of ourselves and to put ourselves in someone else's shoes and to think how they might feel. And of course, that's what manners is, to make people feel valued, to make them seen seen and heard, mm-hmm. and to certainly not make them feel diminished. And I think that Emily really had it right with that quote. They and Miss Daly were probably the first. They were before Miss Daly, but Miss Daly was the first to start a school of good manners and etiquette. She started in 1950. I think they started uh, quite a a while before that. So I I do know from time to time over the years that there were conversations had with Miss Daly and um, their school. So her descendants have carried on the name and I believe there's a new book out recently. So you have to get that. There's been a few um, additions. I, I must admit in my office I have every known book on etiquette that I've been able to sort of research and access. And and I have to say, this is probably one of the things that a couple of years ago that really motivated me to do something like this. There is an etiquette book, and I'm not going to tell you the title, but I'm going to give you enough clues that you'll work it out yourself. And it says a swear word that starts with F and ends with K, and, and the title is that etiquette. Oh. And I just thought, wow, you know, where are we where are we going? And I understand there's some hesitation and resistance towards sort of being someone who chooses to behave or, you know, is it really hard to respect someone? Is it really hard to show consideration and kindness? And look, I know it was tongue in cheek, but I found it 
Mm. And it wasn't, you know, it was in a bookstore, it was at the airport where anyone could walk past and, and young people. And I just think, you know, when we're trying so hard to educate and, and inspire and empower youth especially, when you have books that are titled like that. Maybe I'm old-fashioned. Mm. I don't think it's old-fashioned. I actually think that there is very much a lot of power to that thinking because what we've got here is someone who uh, believes that they do not have to obey or even nod in any way to society's rules. And obviously that's not going to work for anyone. No. Because there are rules in everything we do. And when they kind of start to fall down, mm. it gets really tricky. It does, doesn't it? Mm. That must get tricky for you. Yes, it can be. It yeah. Can. Yeah, it can be very tricky. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to return to that concept of the sensitive awareness of others. Of the feeling of others. Mm. So how does that align with, for example, in the formalities of how we address you? Well, I would never and ever insist on being addressed in any way. And as I said, it's an honorary title. Mm. And uh I would hate for anyone to think that I thought that this was something that I had felt or attached a lot of importance mm. to myself about. Mm. That would mm. That's very cringeworthy. But having said that, the title in itself and what it means and what it's attached to is really, really important. The title, Lady Marius, is attached to Chair of the Lord Mayor's Charitable Trust. So essentially, the Lord Mayor's Charitable Trust is a charity that is associated with raising money for uh, other charities. It's very unique in that way. And just to give a background to the listeners, because this is very interesting, we deal, speaking of empathy, this is actually quite important because there's around 3,000 charities in Brisbane at the moment. And that speaks to the indication of need. And they are anything from food scarcity to um, domestic violence and family volatility to uh, homelessness. I mean, there is just one charity pretty much for everything addressing that community need. 2,000 of those 3,000 charities are small charities. And by small, I mean that their income is usually $250,000 or less. Yet that's all usually based on fundraising. These smaller charities or even micro charities, um, they don't get access to government funding. So they have to raise all this money themselves. Just bear in mind, they have to raise this money to meet, meet this community need. But yet 50% of all Australian charities do not have a paid staff member. And so what we're seeing is very difficult to raise that money. The need has never been greater. And sometimes they just need someone to come and who is in a position to be able to raise that money mm. and who has a title to raise that money. And that's the thing about the Lady Mayor's title. For whatever it is and whatever it isn't, it is attached to a multi-million dollar fundraising effort for the small charities or the charities in general in Brisbane. And that's something that... I think it's just such a privilege to be a part of. It is such a privilege to help and to be able to be put in that position to be able to use that to help other people. And I've seen you in action and you're remarkable. Uh, you are. You don't just go to an event and soiree, is that a word? Sachet around and, uh, you know, greet people. You you get up there and you encourage and you inspire and you know about the charity that you are representing on that day and I find and I'm, I admire you greatly because you're authentic in what you do and that is why I have no problem with addressing you in the correct 
way because I am a person who believes in respectful behaviour and also you are in a, a position and you have a title and sometimes in our culture that's not always perceived as being the norm. You know, we, we'll call our Prime Minister Scott or Albo or, sorry, it's Albo first, not the, then Scott, but you, you yeah. know what I mean? So there's, yeah. there's a sense that we, yeah. we shorten names and, and so forth. But I do believe that I think, Lady Maris, because of the work that you do and the, you're very visible in what you do and I think people, from my perception, they like addressing you in the correct way. And I must admit, the first time I knew you were coming to an event, it was quite a few years ago and I had some Chinese students from China and you came along and you were the official person there when they were graduating. And I was I was a little bit concerned because even though I do have a lot of information in my head about etiquette and protocols, I had no idea what I how I would refer to you as. So I'm Googling <laughs> and hoping that the... Um, did you find an answer? I did. I did. So I was able to um, address you in the correct way because I think it's important because I, I think it's respectful, but I also believe that you, and this sounds strange, but you earn that title because of what you do. Do you know, you're terribly kind to me, but I am an imperfect person and as I said before, <laughs> really... All those qualities perhaps that never made sense when I was growing up, and this should give, I think, hope to anyone who felt a little bit awkward, makes sense now. I do care deeply for these people, but you know what? I'm really kind of ashamed that I didn't realise how desperate in some ways it is out there. One in five people in Queensland are living below the poverty line. That is staggering. And the impacts and the flow-on effects on family and on children. Of course, if you can, you should. Mm. And right now I can, and so I absolutely should. And so, you do. Yeah, thank you. And you do. And there's a, isn't it, there's a saying, what you don't know what you don't know, and you know uh -huh. now and you're doing something about it. And I think it's very much like there is a curtain and sometimes the wind will lift the curtain up and then you see behind it. And I've seen behind that curtain. And I just want everyone to see behind it and to feel gratefulness uh, for what they do have, but also to remember that other people, uh, you know, when we put on our best lives on Instagram or social media, there's every single day someone living your worst nightmare. And you kind of want to go, in our lives, we are going to be allotted if we're even unlucky, lucky, it doesn't really matter, it's not about that, a certain amount of trauma. For me, I just hope that that trauma doesn't involve my children. I really, really, really hope that that's not what it's going to be. Mm. But we know that whatever it is, whether it's cancer, childhood mm. problems or neglect, there's so many <laughs> variants on that. Mm. And I think that we're always going to be in a position, if we can, to pay it forward so that we're going to be both givers and takers in mm. a society. Yes. And when you need to be a taker, isn't it best that you first lay down the fact that you gave, gave to these charities or gave to society? And that doesn't necessarily matter because, you know, we're all in a position to give and, and to take, but it's nice to have that kind of balance. It is. I remember um, Steve Haddon, who has been one of our guests, and I did a 
training program with him and his session was talking to, to young men and uh, he was talking about one of the, the one thing we must have in our lives is a sense of an act of service, mm. that we do something, we give back, we give. And it's one quality that helps you have a well-rounded life and have a, se- a good sense of self. And I've always remembered that and I've always been someone who, whether it's volunteering for something or, or supporting a charity, but it's it's the physical. And look, anything is, is wonderful, isn't it, that if people are prepared to support, mm. but the physical mm. takes on so much Absolutely. more when you, you're actually physically involved in whether it's, you know... When you see it, mm. when you see it with your own eyes. And I think that there's this kind of um, mistaken belief that charity or philanthropy, and there's a big difference between those two, philanthropy mm. obviously addresses the root causes and charity are more like deals with what happens afterwards. Mm. But I think very much people think that it has to be big. It doesn't. No, it, it can doesn't. be $5 a week. It can be going down and volunteering at your local homeless shelter. It can be in a soup kitchen. It can be going to an event that you can have a nice lunch at and also raising money. It can be many varied things, but it does not have to be big. Well said. Okay, now I'd like to sort of chat a little bit further about all of the things that you do and and the, the varied roles that you have and we've we've unpacked the very important role that, as the lady mayoress but there's another role I'd love to sort of chat further with you about and that's the role of mother mm. and um, I have a question for you when you're at the school gate what do the other children call you or is there do they call you anything do they know do your do your children have your children told them that this is how you address my mom i mean we'd love to know if you'd love to share with us have you got any antidotes from the school gate um Absolutely none. (laughs) I tend to try and slink about in a way that's not obvious and uh, picking up those children. And I do tend to be like a duck with the little ducklings behind them. Yes, because there's four of them and they tend to get a bit distracted sometimes. And no, I certainly, that has never been an issue. I do not go and introduce myself as, look, I'm Nina. I'm married to the Lord Mayor. It's, it's, look, because the Lord Mayor, is and there's a differentiation. The Lady Mayoress is a strictly non-political, honorific role, mm-hmm. but whereas the Lord Mayor is a political role and they it is elected, it's the largest electorate per se, as in people voting you in in Australia. Mm. And there is that kind of loose etiquette where you do not discuss politics because we know that it can be polarising because people have different viewpoints that they're very strongly attached to and we see that more and more in Australia. Obviously, traditionally, that has actually not so much been the case. Um, Children have usually voted along the way that their parents have voted. It's usually been America where you've kind of got your colours and you've nailed it to the fence. And I would just never want anyone to feel that political element. And so I usually say my husband works for Brisbane City Council and they usually don't ask me anything further from that. So you're Mrs. Shuna at the school gate. If I'm called anything at all. Mum. 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 Usually, yes. And look, I know people would squirm at the thought of the public role that you have. Not a lot of people could do it because you are so visible. So I was wondering, have you ever had to brush up on your etiquette 
understanding when you've gone to an event thinking, mm, or you just so perfect that you know everything. Oh, I absolutely. <laughs> I spend a large amount of time Googling and I really, really wonder at what people did before Google. I mean, that is... I love Google. No, oh. we had books. We books. had books. I know, but I Google's think, much faster. Yes, and I, and it's, it's also very specific too. You know, what do I call the judiciary, Supreme Court judge? What about the district court judge? What about when, how do we address Dame Quentin Bryce? Of course. Your Excellency. Your Excellency. Do we do that? Mm-hmm. Or um, what about the current? Well, she's actually just happy with Dame Quentin. She is, yes. So you did you ask her? Did you? No, I looked that one up because I was introducing her at one point because she is an incredible woman. And if you've ever had a chance I to, have. she's just phenomenal. She's, she is. And isn't it interesting? This is where people will say, oh, they're just a human being, they're just like you and I. And that's 100% correct. But the difference is, is we are being respectful and saying, I respect your title. And that title wasn't just handed to you. You didn't win that title. That is a title that you are earned. earned. And so therefore, I will address you in the way that you should be, that follows protocol. absolutely agree with you on this. Mm. Let's actually take Dame Quentin because, yes, I did ask her and she did say Dame Quentin. Mm-hmm. And I read her portfolio of works before I was Remarkable. introducing her. And I have to say, wow, I looked at it and went, this is intimidating. This is amazing. And this person has, this woman has five children as well. Is there anything hmm, that she hasn't someone done? someone I know is following in her shoes, no, perhaps. No, Oh, my goodness. She, and this is the thing, you pointed it out before, there are some people that just manage to do everything and she is one of those people, but sometimes that's why she got awarded mm. Dame mm. and there is a reason and that is a nod to her service to the community to the legal fraternity and also as an individual. Mm. She is utterly remarkable. And as you said, therefore she deserves to be called or referenced. I agree. It's it's a sign of respect. It's not anything other than it's not cowtailing. It's it's not sort of being thinking that you're less than. You know, my motto, we, we give uh, our students the opportunity in our school to come up with a mantra that we ask them to research and and I'm even thinking to changing some of our techniques in our class where we'll allow them to get out their phones so they can Google it because we don't have the reference, you know, journals there for them to look into. So we ask them to come up with a mantra. And my mantra is, I am not greater than, I am not less than, I am equal to. And I think that in itself is a great descriptor to what this is all about. This isn't thinking you're less than someone else by addressing them correctly. It's just acknowledging who they are. And what they've done. Absolutely. And I've got to say, look, with an, another, I guess, example of that, I used to work for uh, Senator George Brandis, mm. and he was the Attorney General at the time. So You've was been a, in this politicking well, arena for a long time, haven't you? It is something that you kind of fall into. Mm. And this one, he, he was the Attorney General and at the time looked after national security. And this is a man that had been a QC. He had distinguished himself in the legal fraternity. He had been a senator as well. And he deserved, and I used to call him attorney. Now, this was not something that he would ever have insisted on or even asked for, but I did do that and insisted on calling him attorney as a sign of my respect to him because he deserved it. Yes. And that was the point. And he was a a great boss. If he ever listens to this, loved working for you. So, yeah. 
Would you ever correct someone if they addressed you? Certainly in an official situation, of course, you have the most wonderful EA, Amy, who would send the correct protocol of how to address you, in it, certainly if you, by introduction, if it was an official event. But if it was at an official event, but someone just came up for a chat, and have you ever corrected anyone? Oh, absolutely not. No. No. You, you don't strike me as the no. person that, that would do that. And I don't think anyone would, actually. I would have to question why someone mm. would stand on ceremony in a mm. way that, to me, seems a little bit arrogant. If you're going to do that, I would question why you're doing that. Mm. Because you can also, I mean, we talk about that empathy before, all that feelings, the sensitive awareness of the feelings of others. Well, that goes both ways, doesn't it? It does. And you would have to feel, imagine how that person would feel if you said, oh, you know, you need to call me lady something or the other. I mean, that would be It's very un-Australian. Extremely un-Australian and mm. really not very human. No. So I wonder why we have these titles because I don't think there's really anyone that I've met in my many years of attending events and di- varying levels of dignitaries and so forth. No one... Our culture doesn't really expect people to know everything, do they? I think that just if someone you're meeting someone on the street or an event, I don't think there's any sort of education in this arena, is there, that we're not teaching people how to address people that have titles or informal situations or protocols. There is a website you can go to, and I have used it, Lady Mares, that it is the protocol website, part of Queensland Government. I've used it too. I use it often. Yes, I've used it too. It's a great tool. Yes, I remember when I went to my first trip overseas, I had the help of Export Aid and we did a joint venture with a training school in New Delhi and it was in 1999 and I went over there thinking, okay, how do I do this? And and whilst I, I wasn't meeting any dignitaries as such, I decided to buy a book called Kiss, Bow or Handshake. Mm. And it was the best investment I've ever made. They they have a website now, but I still have the two journals from this this title. And you could go to any country in the world and it would tell you a little bit about the culture and about the business culture. So it was specifically designed doing business in other countries. And in India, some of the key points were don't expect everyone to be on time and don't be offended if someone is late. Oh. And I thought, I wonder why that is. Well, when I went there, realizing that have you been to India to Delhi? No, the traffic is incredible. Yeah. It's 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 horrific. If it would take you thirty minutes normally to get somewhere, where well, you need to plan at least an hour to an hour and a half. So that was one of the the key notes. The other was about the way you dress, and you know you need to be dressed in a conservative manner and so forth. And the other was the business greeting, and that probably is the thing that I focus on the most. The handshake is universal. And I don't know if you've experienced that. Well, it is. COVID's sort of letting us shake hands a little bit more. Some of us are a little bit. I've just had to teach my sons mm. and daughters how to shake hands. Yes. Oh, Something that I had forgotten that I needed to do. And mm. then um, so we've actually done that training. Oh, yes. Wow. I, I'm going to unpack that in a moment. Yes. And the one, the other thing they, they spoke about was the, the gesture of namaste. Yeah. And. They did say normally in a, an interaction with perhaps two companies that are based in New Delhi, they would do that to one another. So I decided that when I went there, so I, and I also read a book called The God of All Small Things, so just to give me an understanding of the culture. So I went in there 
with a little bit of background. I went to my first meeting, we shook hands, and then I did Namaste. And I cannot tell you, I don't want to say the joy, but Mm. the the expression on their face was that they respected me more, I think. Because Because you cared. I cared. Mm. And I wanted... I wanted to be respectful to show them that I have an understanding of their their culture and their protocols. A sensitive awareness. There you go. Mm. Didn't and even know I've that. I've got to say, incredibly important. And, you know, we're a highly multicultural city. And in this role, you're going to a new or you're meeting with many, many different walks of life and from many different countries. And it's absolutely amazing. And, oh, my goodness, they are so warm and they yes. are so beautiful. And But it's amazing to see the different etiquette within that. And we absolutely look into that so that we do not offend, so that we are sensitive. I think that's so It's a minimum. Important. It's a minimum it, it that is, you can it? do. Absolutely. I, I remember hearing, uh, and it wasn't one of our politicians, it was a politician in America, and that was, the comment was something like, well, that's not how we do it here. And I thought, well, wow. There's inflexibility. Mm. Terrible. It's not gracious. And I'd, no. I would say that's not part of their wow factor. I think that that, yes. Is it gracious or is it not? There was a complete, that's graceless. It is graceless. Yes. Well, I want, to, I want to reference a quote that I have often seen and I've even put it on social media many years ago. And it's a quote by Fred Astaire. Sometimes these quotes you do Google, they're sort of, you know, that they're sort of made up in, in some ways. They're not totally authentic. But this one, I believe, is because I asked Miss Daly about it. And she met Fred Astaire when she went to Hollywood, which will come out in the movie. Mm. And the quote is, the hardest job kids face today is learning good manners without seeing any. What do you think about that quote? Well... It's probably been about 100 years, probably, since, I don't know when he would have said that quote, but it could be. Wouldn't be be 100, would it? Am I that old? (laughs) No, no. No, but probably, probably be at least 60 or 70 70, years. Yeah. Yeah. And, okay, let me, yes, he was born in 1899. So let's, yeah, so about that. Maybe 80, 90 years. Yeah. Yes. So if he thinks it was. You did your research. Yeah. Well, Well, Good on your Google. <laughs> yeah, I see this is a thing with my best friend. Uh, if he thinks it was bad back then, then, I really would hate to see that little blossom now mm. and what he would feel with how we are starting to, I guess, respond to certain situations or stimulus now. I think he'd probably be a little bit taken aback he or would. uncomfortable. Yes. And with kids? Well, you, you're an incredible... Woman, aside from everything you do, as I said before, you're a mother of four. Mm, How do you do it? Well, with varying degrees of success and every time I'm thinking I'm doing a good job, then usually the walls, <laughs> the wheels fall off. But um, I think that, first of all, we have to really push back on any notion of perfection. You cannot be perfect all the time. And, you know, there's going to be times when you lose your cool. But let's take that example. You lose your cool. Well, not desirable. But it is foreseeable in some circumstances. We're not perfect, are we? No. But then what do we do and afterwards? children know how to push the buttons, don't yes. they? Yes. At the right time. But, like, if I get a bit cranky at one of them, and it's not often, but when I do, I will say, I am very sorry that I did that. And I will take accountability and I will show them. Because, you know, I don't want them to think that it's perfect. But I can absolutely say that in all of this, I... The things that I want most from my children are manners, 
I do want them to do that, that sensitive awareness of others and kindness. And so these things, you can pick them up and you can have an, I guess, organic predisposition to them, but they very much have to be guided. I remember Lisa Newman. I would sit there and I would watch her two children. They would not move on the seats and they were amazing. And I'd be squirming all over the seats and I'd be thinking, sit still, please, Nina, sit still. And I just couldn't. That's not my strong point. And I once asked her because they were lovely girls, like Lisa, and I said, what's your secret? And she said, plenty of discipline and plenty of love. And see, discipline should never be given without love. It says discipline, not destruction. And discipline is boundaries, what is acceptable, and you must guide them. And the best way you can guide them is by example. As and Fred said. In, yes, that's right. In theory, anyway. Do you feel your children are under the spotlight? For example, Prince Louis at the um, the Jubilee, what did he do? He he had a tantrum, didn't he? He did a typical four-year-old tantrum and he was pulling faces at his mum. He was being a normal four-year-old. It was interesting how the reaction was. It was certainly what didn't the mother, what's her name? Kate. Kate. The Duchess. Duchess. So, you know, the, there was lots of uh, conjecture and, and comment about what Kate, well, the, the Duchess, should have done or shouldn't have done. Interesting, no comment about what the dad had done. Mm. But anyway, that's mm. another story. Yes. So, you know, what do you do in that situation? Do you feel sometimes, I mean, you've just shared with us that you've taught the children how to shake hands, which is wonderful because... Are there certain things that you can control and how do you feel in, you know, seeing something like the Prince Louis being, and, you know, we love, media loves clickbait. I was say, the media love that one. all of that. Yeah. I mean, what happens in those situations? Has that ever happened to you? I think that that is for all parents, unless you have perfect little children. I don't you know, think there children. are perfect children. No. Well, n- not that I've come across in my own experience with my children, but... I think that that was entirely relatable. So you can hope for the best, but it's usually not going to come. And the more pressure you put on it, I think the greater the chance of it cracking. And as you can see, I'm sure that he was told, you have to be a good boy. He was probably... And she was keeping it cool and he was yes. thinking, oh, I have a great opportunity here to do yes. what I like because mum can't do anything. I think that there was the... <laughs> If there was a little boy who had a deep appreciation for the fact that he held a certain amount of power in that situation and he did not use that one wisely. Having said that, I did think he was very cute. And yes. um, I think that that guy almost shows that you imagine growing up with royal protocol. It mm. must be exhausting and it must be extremely suffocating. And I thought it was almost reassuring to have this young child who did have this effervescence, this kind of this infectious normality? normality come out and do that. And you could always see her going, this is not working to plan. And I think that the world, when they got off their little judgment and their little high horse, and I think as a world we are far too quick to judgment, would have been pleased with that if they were looking through it with a fair lens. And with our children, they do tend to behave well-ish. Well-ish. And what I mean by that is I would like them to stay with me and not go anywhere, but unfortunately um, they do tend to scatter sometimes in a public setting like I guess a cockroach would when you open the light it's not a you know and you open you turn the light on and they just scatter to the four winds and there's four of them and it's very difficult if they go in you know east north south west in all different ways and it is 
a challenge and then you think, I don't want to be a fishwife by yelling across the room, you come back here. Or, And then it also occurred to me, I did choose to call one of my um, sons Wolfgang. And oh, wow. that was a nod to um, German heritage on mm-hmm. both sides. Yes. Um, and we call him Wolfie. That is a very popular name. I think you yes, may have started a it, trend. Well, no, I, I, I did get a lot of um, heat and suggestions for improvement before I had I, I had named my children before I had them. I declared what they were going to be, Adrian and I, and um, at the time that did invite discussion of a robust nature, certainly about that particular name, of which I am unrepentant. It's a but, great name. And we, we called his middle name Menzies. We wanted it to be strong and uh, why I liked Menzies is because he united the forgotten mm. people of Australia yes. and I, I really liked that. There's always a purpose behind the names that I gave and our children. And know? The reason for his middle name yet is how old? Yes, we took him when we were in Canberra. So he's seven. We there's a big kind of portrait. No, no, a life size sculpture of him down. I think on the lake, Lake Mm. Billy Griffith, and we Mm. took him down there. We've got a photo with him. Of course, he'd have absolutely no appreciation nor interest. I would say not at the moment, But but he will. Back to the fact that sometimes when I have to kind of yell out in a way that is not quite ladylike, wolfy across, I do almost regret um, <laughs> calling him Wolfgang because people kind of stop or Oki or Oki. Pinch mm-hmm. or Monty. Yeah, all those kind of things. They at least lend themselves to a why at the end. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yes, one tries not to sound like a fishwife when you're yelling for them. I can't imagine you sounding like no a fishwife. No offence to fishwives. No. Yes. Well, I can't imagine you sounding anything. No, I try, like- I try not to sound strident <laughs> in any way. <laughs> So you mentioned before that you've just given them some lessons, your four lovely children, on handshaking. Is there anything else that things that they should know that it's important for you to yes. for them to know? Would Absolutely. You like, what are they? Would you share I think those? they're the basics of society, and I think that if you are not teaching your children, yes, please thank you. These kind of basic niceties. It's like, look, you're kind of setting them up to be a little bit unaware of how that's going to impact on them. And the problem is when you are doing with this with young children with short attention spans and a lack of interest in social niceties is that you have to constantly repeat it. We did get to the position where, honestly, probably the words that I said most every day were please and thank you because I had to repeat it consistently throughout the day. No, you can't have that. What did I say? Please use your manners. And I've got to say, I'm very glad because when we do go out to a community event, they do say please and thank you probably 90% of the time without prompting. And that I can kind of go good, but then so much persistence and consistency went into just those two basic it's hard words. Work. It is. It hard is. Work. And you've it got to, you can't just kind of go, oh, I can't. You know, you've got to, from the moment you're kind of giving them stuff, you know, even if it's saying ta or mm. it is, but it's also then teaching them that these people or any kind of people don't have to give you things. So mm. you should be grateful mm. and you should communicate that by saying a very trivial almost, thank you. Mm. It's the least you can do. I think with manners, if you sort of ask me to write a list of my top ten, definitely please and thank you. But my my second would be kindness. (laughs) Yes. And that's something I've had to really, not not, I haven't had to focus on as a parent, but it, it, it... and I don't know whether it sort of says something about me, but that thought process of we don't laugh at people, we're not cruel to people, 
we are kind, helpful if we can be. That to me is is probably helpful. and that aligns I with like the sensitive that. awareness, yes. being helpful and offering assistance. And I was listening to something on ABC Radio the other day about being mindful of the elderly, mm. and I always thought that if you know you would offer assistance to the elderly. And this journalist was saying, just, and she was an, an, an elder person, she said, just be careful. And she gave a scenario and I thought it was really interesting. So say, for example, my neighbour was elderly, so one of my sons mowed the lawn for them. And then this person had baked cookies that day, this elderly neighbour, and said, oh, would you like some cookies? And my probably my first reaction is, oh, you don't need to do that. That's fine. But that's incorrect and um, unkind behaviour on my part because I'm negating their uh, visibility in the community, Mm. their worth in the community. Mm. And if someone, so we've done a kindness for them, we've paid it forward, I guess, and what they're saying is I want to acknowledge and respect you and give you something that I've been able to create and and it says that I'm a valuable person that whilst I may not be able to mow the lawn, I am someone who's still considered a part of society. And I, I thought to that and I thought, I've been guilty of that. Well, that I think is a perfect example of while trying to be polite, we were perhaps insensitive. Mm. And I think that that one's kind of almost forgivable because that does require Thank you for that. a deep awareness because it's something I do myself because, you it, know, you go, oh, you don't have to do that. I because know, but we should accept it. And this is we we're being too kind and we're not realising that perhaps we're being thoughtless. Or perhaps because, and you were coming from a non-transactional point of view, you did this without any kind of expectation of any reward or any kind of contribution on their part. You did this and it stood alone. And so when they did do this, the cookies, for example, I think that you probably were like, well, hang on a minute. I don't want you to feel obligated. This was about what I was giving, not what you could give in return. And I actually think there's a beauty to that. And I think, though, that there is a real great sensitivity, though, even even in the and very nuanced in the fact that they were doing that because they wanted to show that they valued what you had done. Mm. And And we need to value them by accepting it. Absolutely. Yes. We all need lessons in giving and receiving. Yes. And that also goes to compliments. We don't do a very good job, I guess, and I certainly don't either, of receiving those compliments or, or how we choose Why to do that. Why do you that. think that is? We have a, a class called Human Relations in the course, and one of the points we discuss is if someone pays you a compliment, you should respond by saying thank you. I was at an event maybe three years ago, and um, I think we're all very reticent in Australia, and, and, and that goes down to that larrikin kind of spirit where we don't take ourselves seriously. And there is a lot to be said for that, because I think that we all can kind of appreciate that when someone does take themselves incredibly seriously, there's kind of like a barrier to that. And, you know, it's a little bit unproductive. So there is that traditional thing we do, but with women, absolutely. And I think it also comes from not wanting to look like you value yourself or have an undeserved affection for yourself that is unmerited. But I, a lady had said, oh, I really like your dress. You look very nice in that dress. And I said, oh, thank you. And I had said something that negatived or in some way diminished that, that compliment. And she looked at me in the eyes and she said, you need to learn how to take a compliment and I suggest you do it soon. And I thought, oh, she was, oh. and she she wanted me to receive that. And I thought, 
she was right. Mm. In some way there, again in that newest nuanced insensitivity, I had diminished her by kind of almost... Oh, what do you mean? Don't yes, say that. That's yeah, right. It, it's like a negative response to a compliment. That's right. To a positive. Yeah. Yes. And I actually, she taught me something that day and I appreciate her. And if she's listening to this podcast, thank you. And I don't remember what she looked like. I don't remember who it was. I just remember, again, that old saying how she, she made, made me feel. feel. That's yeah. right. And I just thought she was right. I was without intending perhaps rude or at least not mannered. Again, I don't think we do that consciously. Hmm. I think it's something. Very unconscious. Yes, it is. And uh, part of our learned behaviour because we are told not to be vain, not to be, not to have a big ego, all of those things. And those things are good. We they shouldn't. Are. We and, should, yeah, and, we shouldn't have a big ego or be vain. genuinely compliments you. I think the easiest thing to say, as I, we say to our students, thank you, that means a lot. Well, that's very lovely. Or it's of very you encouraging. To, thank that's you. That's very lovely. That's lovely of you to say, rather than, oh, really, this old thing? Hmm. Hmm. Well, Lady Marius, it has been a wonderful moment to have you here uh, opposite me, chatting to you about all things manners and etiquette. I've really appreciated uh, you giving up your time because I do know that you are a very busy person and I really feel very respected and valued that you said yes and you spent some time with us today. And I and I really appreciate you giving us an insight into your life and, and an understanding of your role and also that it's okay not to be perfect when, when we're teaching our children good manners and etiquette. And mm. uh, you're, as I said in the, in the beginning, you're a wonderful role model and it's a pleasure to have you here. You, again, and while taking into account that lady who did remonstrate with me, thank you. You are far too kind in those things. But I think that I guess what I would say is I do not hold, we, we must, especially as women, stop holding ourselves to an impossible and perfect benchmark. It just, it's, it's so difficult. And I think that as women, we really are the only kind of people that really, you know, we're expected to have that perfect figure, have that perfect temperament, have the perfect job, have the perfect dim body, have the perfect car, and all these things that perfection in the end is so crushing. As Miss Daly often said, all you need is what is perfect for you. Yes, and the wisdom to know mm. what is perfect for you. Yes. Yes. Thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on What Would June Daly Watkins Do? Don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast app so you'll never miss an episode.